If you want Colts talk all year long, you're in the right place. Fires upfield into the end zone. It is caught. Jelani Woods. Touchdown. He's going to fire upfield. It's broken up. Tipped and up. intercepted by the Colts. This is the official Colts podcast, giving you an updated look at what's new with the horseshoes. Colts have it. Interception. Two seconds left. And the Colts are going to win. In the Indiana Union Construction Industry Radio Studio, let's get the podcast started. Hey, what's up? Hi again, everybody. Welcome to the official Colts podcast. Back again on a Tuesday. Hope your summer's going well. It's been a week down in Florida. Larry Overton is here. I'm Matt Taylor. J.J. Stankovitz as well. J.J.E. was hot down in Florida. Coming back to Indianapolis seems like a reprieve from the heat down in Clearwater Beach, Florida. So... With the heat coming up here, I know it's not my random thought of the week, but we, we were in Myrtle Beach. You just went down to Florida. Mm-hmm. Uh, over the weekend, I took my, my boys to the Indianapolis Indians game. And Kings Island, right? And Kings Island. Yeah. <laughs> These kids, like, you know how Dippin' Dots is the ice cream of the future? They branded themselves as that for it like was 20 that, years. I was going to say 30 years ago, <laughs> it was the ice cream of the future. I'm pretty future, sure yes. because of my kids, Dippin' Dots will actually be the ice cream of the future because that's all they eat. <laughs> sustained, Dots, sustained ice cream. Dippin' Dots are great. When it's super hot out, because you get soft serve and you're a kid, oh. you, it melts within about three yes. seconds. You mm. get ice cream soup. It's on your leg. Right. Dippin' Dots, they're confined in a cup. Yeah. You can eat them with a spoon, and they stay cold, and they don't become soupy until you get right down to the bottom. I am a pro Dippin' Dots guy now. Nice. I, I would have to agree with that. Cotton candy flavor. My six-year-old loved okay. the cotton candy flavor. I didn't even know there was a cotton candy flavor. The, there was the Dippin' Dots, yeah. Cookie dough they have them at ones the zoo. were a big hit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, zoo, sporting events, mm-hmm. fairs, anywhere that you could sell ice cream. Next to the Kona Ice. Right. Th- that's where Kona Ice is, yep. all of those instances as well. See, to me, no ice cream will ever taste as good as the ice cream that came in the mini helmet at a baseball game that in Louisville, when I would go to the Louisville Redbirds games, we would eat them with the wooden spoon that yeah. came with it, you know? So that's, no ice cream has tasted better than when I was about four years old. You guys remember the malts? Remember oh, chocolate yeah. malts? Yeah, yeah I, I wasn't would, a big fan. You, Growing up, I would you, get you those. You said wooden spoon. That's yep, where I went. That's where I went. I, I would get those at Wrigley Field, and they would come in, yeah. uh, you know, the, the, the vendor would come down, and I swear he had the probably like, dry ice in that thing. Because you would buy it, and it would be 95 degrees out, but you would have to wait an inning yeah. to even get the spoon into it. That's like yeah. any time so you've gotten one of those, like, um, the lemon. The, the, the Italian ice. Le- yeah. Lemon, yeah. lemon chill. Yeah. Lemon, lemon chill. chill. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, speaking of, of hot weather in, uh, in, in the summertime, guys, I'm sure you saw it on, on social media. Thinking about all those folks on the south side of town. Right, those people mm-hmm. down in northern Johnson County, uh, the Greenwood area. That's that's down by my neck of the woods. I'm sure you guys saw the the social media videos of the tornado that went. That was about three miles from my house. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So, and this is the second time in three months. We had one back in March, and yeah, that hit down right, in Whiteland. Yeah. Uh-huh. This was a little bit north of that. So you're talking about, you know, two big time uh, tornadoes in three months spans, uh, really affecting those communities. South side of Indianapolis, uh, northern Johnson County, Greenwood, Whiteland, just, you know, those devastating pictures and videos circulating around. That community's been hit really, really hard Mm -hmm. here lately. So we just want to say we're thinking about you big time. And summer in Indianapolis, man, it's a scary time. Uh, Things are fluctuating. 
you got lightning, you've got winds. Got wildfire smoke back. Yeah, yeah. You just got to be weather aware around yeah. here during the summer at all times. To those people down in the south side, we're thinking about you. And I know we got a lot of people that listen to the podcast down in that area. So uh, thank you for doing so. And we got your back here. All right, coming up on today's podcast, we're talking about big time training camp storylines. Outside of the quarterback, we know about Anthony Richardson, right? We know about Gardner Minshew, but we'll uh, discuss the Colts' secondary, what's going on at cornerback. We'll talk about some position switches, and also the camp schedule layers coming out tonight, right? It is. Later on today. It It will be announced uh, this evening. There's going to be a little gathering at Grand Park to uh, unveil this year's training camp schedule. So some great things to look out for. Of course, a big part of that, those joint practices, too, with the Chicago Bears. That's always kind of a highlight of camp. You'll have some night practices and all of those Mm -hmm. things, which provide some great opportunities to get up there. And as always, of course, free to the fans. Yeah, so that's coming out tonight, the training camp. Camp schedule will be unveiled later on this evening. Check that out, Colts.com slash camp here in just a little bit, or depending on when you're listening to this, that may be out already. Um, we're also going to throw out some Colts predictions and play a little uh, game on a segment called Do You See It? Put on your eyeglasses on uh, some predictions for 2023. But as we said, non-quarterback storylines. Uh, let's talk about that cornerback spot because outside of Kenny Moore, the Colts do not have a lot of proven depth uh, at that position going into training camp. That's because, as we all know, we've talked about this all off season long. Stephon Gilmore traded uh, Brandon Face in return to the Raiders earlier this offseason in free agency. And so as of now, if you do the math, the Colts are returning 947 cornerback snaps from last season, 773 of those are coming from Kenny Moore the second. So that's about 81% coming from just one guy. And the Colts have four rookies in their cornerback depth right now. They may be in a position where they're going to have to rely on those guys uh, either heavily on defense, certainly on special teams as well. But, J.J., you've got Juju Brents, Darius Rush drafted in the fifth round, Jalen Jones out of Texas A&M picked up at the cornerback spot in the seventh round. Are you worried about the lack of experience on paper at corner in the secondary going into camp here? I think it's one of those things where the competition for this, and and I talked about this on the podcast last week, and Casey brought up a really good point, that the competition at cornerback is probably going to extend into the season. And, you know, you would love that your week one starters are going to be your week 18 starters, but more than likely because of the youth there, you might see some turnover during the season of, you know, all right, maybe maybe you start the year, say, with Darius Rush and Dallas Flowers as your starting outside guys. But then Juju Brents comes along. Or, uh, you know, Daryl Baker, a kid who, uh, you know, he was on, I think he was a, a practice squad guy last year. Maybe he comes along. Right. Um, there are options there. The one thing that I go back to is Gus Bradley has, has always said that his defense is designed for young players to play fast in it and to pick it up quickly. We saw that last year with Rodney Thomas in the back end where he picked it up real quick. He got in there as a seventh-round pick, and he was a very effective safety in this defense. I think there could be some opportunity for these young guys where you take four or five young guys, and if you get two of them to, to you know play fast, play with the kind of discipline they need, make a couple plays on the ball, I think you're going to be okay. The key to me here maybe is less about the the play of the corners, and it's about the pass rush, Lara. If the Colts can get a consistently effective pass rush, that's going to help the cornerbacks out. 
And just one other thing I, I go back to on this is I, I had a conversation with Ron Milas last year. And I asked him, like, there's this debate about, like, what's more important to have, like, a, you know, coverage on the back end or, a, or a, you know, an effective pass rush. And he goes, look, I'm a defensive backs coach. My cornerback could fall down, and it wouldn't matter if the quarterback's on the ground. Yeah. yeah. I, I think if, you, if the D-line is able to get pressure, the worry about young cornerbacks will diminish for this team. I was actually listening to a bit of – we were going back through a lot of the training camp content from last year, and over and over and over you heard Gus Bradley say, rush and cover works together, rush and cover. It was like what he was harping on over and over. And I do think it's an area of concern, and I think that's why you saw the Colts spend some pretty significant draft capital and then you know some of the um, undrafted um, – roster space as well on that position group because you knew the departures that you had you knew the voids that you were going to have within that defense and that's why you have guys like Darius Rush and Juju Brents and then Jalen Jones who were added to this roster via the draft and I, I think that it's the other thing that is a concern about that is Jalen Jones I believe was the most in available of those guys in the spring into summer, we didn't see Juju Brents at all, which mm-hmm. you didn't expect to because he had the wrist procedure, wrist, hand, wrist, right? Wrist, wrist. Yeah. Um, and then Darius Rush looked great early on, and then he was a bit sidelined on the back half of that activity. So that's another big question mark looming is that it's not like those guys had significant time. Not that you can really establish yourself necessarily as a starter, you know, in late May, early June when you're looking at the training camp. But I do think you'd feel a little bit comfortable if you'd gotten to see more tape or any tape on some of these guys, you know, especially a guy like Juju Brents. I think it's going to be incredibly competitive. And I do think that you are going to lean on guys a veteran guy like Tony Brown has a significant opportunity, you know, in this um, situation to come into camp and be able to be one of those who has the most experience and be able to showcase that and mm-hmm. then help bring those guys along. But I do think that, JJ, to your point, that group and that group of starters is probably going to look pretty different from week one to week eight to, you know, week 18. The the one guy who's upside – I. I'm sort of I, – I don't want it, it to get lost in here – is Dallas Flowers. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's got – he didn't play a whole lot last year until, you know, Brandon Faison was in and out, Kenny Moore was in and out toward the end of the season. But he's fast, he's tall, and he's long. What are three things that Gus Bradley looks for in his quarterbacks? Fast, tall, long. So baseline, the athleticism, the body type that mm-hmm. Dallas Flowers has – fits the way that Gus Bradley wants his cornerbacks to play. He still has to, you know, improve his technique and what he does with his assignments, mm-hmm. but um, he's got upside. He's he's a guy who should not get lost in this. I wouldn't be totally shocked if Dallas Flowers, out of that group that we've talked about, if he starts the most games this year at cornerback. Yeah, I'm glad you brought him up because, like you said, he is going into year number two. You can't forget about him. He did play the last four games of the season at cornerback because of necessity. Like you said, you know, Faison was in and out of the lineup. That's when uh, Kenny Moore the second was banged up. So he, st- he actually started the last game of the season, week 18, against the Texans, and he played well. And I talked with him at the close of the offseason workout program about a week or so ago and talked about his comfort level in the offense this year 
compared to last year in the offseason as a rookie? Yeah, last year was kind of kind of hectic, uh, chaotic. Um, coming from training for pro day, it was like a year-round thing, and then I came in undrafted, so I was behind the eight ball from the jump. But that's pretty much been my story since I was young. So last year was crazy. Coming to this year, year two, um, under the same scheme as again, um, same coaches, majority of the same players came back. So I definitely feel more comfortable and more at ease with the coaching and, and the playbook and stuff like that. I definitely yeah. feel more familiar and comfortable. Can you describe your rookie season? I mean, I know a lot happened around you off the field, but on the field, how would you describe your, your first season with the Colts, both on special teams and with the defense? With the hand I was dealt with, I think I played pretty well. Um, definitely could have played better, you know what I'm saying? So I think I, I think I, I think I had a decent decent rookie year. Uh, I'm just trying to capitalize and maintain and do better for, for year two. So You still have that chip on your shoulder as an undrafted guy? I definitely had that chip on my shoulder. Like me, knowing me, I want to be the best. I want to keep working hard. So to me, last year out the window so I, I still feel like a lot of people don't know me so mm-hmm. I gotta do what I do I do my best I work hard when with my brothers we all work together you're gonna be good everybody where is the game on defense specifically sort of slowed down for you um corner spot really just knowing like down in distance like second and eight mm-hmm. knowing how to play a receiver or like third and five knowing when to jump stuff just scenario stuff like that so I'm learning that and getting better at that. That's going to make the game totally easier. I don't got to overwork myself on simple stuff if I know his tendencies and stuff like that. So just becoming more a student of the game. With the offseason program pretty much in the books as we sit here and talk right now, what was most beneficial for you about this second spring with the Colts? Like I said, this is my second year in the defensive scheme and learning from Kenny Moore, one of those probably he is the smartest player I ever played with. Mm-hmm. Um, just him giving me little tidbits on small things like I just said. So, and just seeing the defense and the game slower, mm-hmm. that makes a ton of a difference right then and there. So I think I definitely took a huge jump, a huge leap on just with the defense and just seeing the game slower. What, what do you make of this defense? There's Pro Bowl players, there's Pro Bowl caliber players in all three levels of this defense. Uh, I think our defense is going to be well. Our defense was good last year. I think this year our defense is going to be even better. Um, we're young, but we're, we're, we're talented and we're fast and we're athletic. So I think this year we're definitely going to be a great defense this year. What do you make of uh, Anthony Richardson from your standpoint on the defense? He's a beast. Big, fast, athletic, strong, young, but still like open to listen from others mm-hmm. and keep growing with his game. I think he's going to have a great career and a great season this year. I know it's apples to oranges considering he's an offensive guy, you play defense, but you know your rookie season's just barely in the rearview mirror. From that standpoint, how can you help him kind of ease into the NFL? Um, I can just tell him just, just take every day, day by day, uh, try to get better every day and just listen from others and take criticism and just learn to be better and just learn from Minshew. He's a vet. Just learn from him. Take him on his arm. Just learn from him. Just get better. All right, for you, what do you want to accomplish in the summertime, before camp, before your um, report? Just keep doing what I've been doing, uh, staying in the playbook, just getting better day by day. Uh, keep learning defense, like more and more, even little stuff. Like I got the defense down, but just like the little small stuff. And uh, stay healthy. You still think about those long kickoff returns? Yeah, it's going to be some more this year for <laughs> touchdowns, for sure, for sure. All right, thanks a lot for your time. You. Appreciate it. Dallas Flowers right there. Yeah, he had that huge kickoff return almost for a touchdown against the Steelers last year. He also led the NFL and yards per kickoff return at 31.1. Finished fourth in kick return yards in the NFL last year with 715 of them on just 23 attempts. And you heard it right there, feeling a lot more comfortable in year number two, understanding the situational side of the game, right? How to play receivers on second and short versus third and long, how to play inside the red zone, knowing when to jump routes, knowing when to take chances, you know, learning how to watch film, understanding the the tendencies of receivers, and I think that all kind of 
starts to slow down for players in year number two, especially for a guy at the cornerback position that could potentially be asked. Uh, there's going to be asked a lot more of him this upcoming season. And, J.J., you talked about it towards the end of last year when he was out there on defense. It's not like offenses were going right at him. Yeah. It's not like he yep. was being exploited. To your point, when you speak of Gus Bradley's defense being it's it's able to be picked up quickly by rookies and first-year players. You saw that last year late in the season out of Dallas Flowers. Yeah, I mean, I, I remember having a conversation with Dallas about that last season where I was like, you know, you got out there, and I think in his first game that he started, he wasn't targeted at all. And usually when you have a undrafted rookie cornerback, teams are just going to be like, get after this mm-hmm. guy. Like, make him, make him beat us. Or, like, let's try to... Uh, you know, make him prove it. Right. And he didn't throw at him at all. I, he didn't get targeted. He throw him at all. Yeah. <laughs> That's hilarious the but way it came it, it was the Vikings game is what it was. Yeah. Uh, he played 19 coverage snaps in that game. They didn't target him once in that game. And he had some against Justin Jefferson where you'd think the ball's going to him, especially when the Vikings are playing catch-up the whole game. Right. Um, and Kirk Cousins didn't get there. And, you know, it doesn't mean 19 snaps or he didn't get targeted in one game doesn't mean this guy's going to be an all-pro or anything. But I think it shows he's got some ability in him. And, you know, if Ron Milas and Mike Mitchell and Gus Bradley can can coach it out of him and he can take the necessary steps in his own development, I think he's got a lot of upside. All right, let's stay in the secondary, as I teased at the start. We're going to talk about position switches. That's Julian Blackman, Larry. He's going into a contract year, but he's making the switch in the last year of his rookie contract from free safety to strong safety, right? We know about Rodney McLeod. He's no longer here. And with the emergence of Rodney Thomas at free safety, that allows Julian Blackman's versatility and his athleticism to be used somewhere else and to also fill a need for the Colts, and that's that strong safety. Nick Cross is currently the third man, you know, competing for one of those starting jobs. But Blackman's looking to kind of prove himself in a contract year. Uh, but you've got Cross You've got some other guys in the mix that are in the younger uh, uh, Trevor mold. Denbo Trevor had a Denbo, huge play undrafted free agent in last minicamp, year. right? Mm-hmm. Like we saw him with some flashes. He was hurt for part of the early period last year, and you know didn't get to see as much of him as they would have liked to. But right. it was a guy who who stuck around and was on the practice squad and different things. But he definitely stepped up during yeah. during minicamp. He originally made the fifty three man roster, but point is Blackman is trying yeah. to prove that he should be a Colt next year with all of these young guys on rookie contracts. Do you think Blackman is better suited at strong safety than free safety from what you've seen so far? I think so far it looks like it's a good fit. I'm not going to say it's it's better or worse, but I think what you have to go back to he can't is play. It, it, well, it's just remembering the fact that it's a guy who previously played corner before transitioning to safety. Like This guy can do anything on the back end. The reason the Colts drafted him, even when he was coming out of his collegiate career with the knee and the torn ACL and everything that he was going to have to come back from was because he had this just incredible athleticism and he did have that versatility that he showcased collegiately at Utah while he was there. So I think that Julian Blackman is one because of not only his skill set but also because of the mentality that he brings. He does have that ability to be able to be versatile within that area whether it's at free or strong safety. I I do. I think it's a fantastic fit. I like, I think most of all, I'm not going to say that this is forever the spot that he will play for the entirety of his career. I think in this system, with the duo that you have, the tandem of he and Rodney Thomas, I think those guys do complement each other very well. And your best chance at winning football 
is to have those two on the field as often as possible. So I think that that's why I think this move works and will work is because of those various factors. The, the other thing here that I think Julian gets is it's a contract year. And if Julian Blackman can go into next offseason, whether it's the Colts his agent's talking to or other teams if he hits unrestricted free agency, and say Julian can play free safety, he can play strong safety, he can play nickel, whatever you need him to do, mm-hmm. he can do it, and he can do it well. And There's always a need for a guy like that on your football team. Absolutely. And I, I think Julian gets that, hey, if I go out and have a good season at strong safety – there are going to be a lot of teams that, that are going to be interested in me. Because when you think about free agency, I think we always look at it of like, guy, guy it's free agency, and oh, he's a good player. There are going to be 20 teams interested in him. But in reality, it's usually a lot more specific. It's usually there are only three or four teams that are really interested in you, max, in mm-hmm. free agency. But if you go into it and a team says, we need a nickel. We like what Julian did last year at nickel. Or we need a free safety. We like his tape when he was playing free safety uh, with the Colts or we need a strong safety, or we need a safety who can be interchangeable and do both. That's really valuable, especially in mm-hmm. right. a lot of the too high Vic Fangio defenses that are out there. That could open up Julian Blackman to have five, six, seven teams interested in him, right. including the Colts, and that will help him make more money. Wherever you put Julian, he's just got to stay healthy this year. Yep. Like that's, that's the biggest thing right now. And, and last year he was incredibly you know, available for the most part, but obviously you know, kind of had that later coming along in terms of his freshman, his freshman season, his rookie season. Uh, I just glanced up. They got the Manning Passing Academy on NFL Network, and then I like was flashing back to, to like the, <laughs> the college quarterbacks out there. Uh, but his rookie season, and then, of course, tore his Achilles and, and all of those things. So the biggest thing for him is certainly going to be not only proving a command of that position, but also purely just being available and on the field. For sure. Yeah, I mean, I think Blackman, to your point, J.J., he's just a guy you have to have on your team because of his athleticism, his tracking ability, you know, for the ball, his leadership through playmaking ability, um, and, and just the communication. I don't think there is a more communicative guy on defense. Just I mean when you when you're out there at practice, the only voice you hear among all the other ones seemingly is Julian Blackman, either talking trash or telling guys where to go, how to line up. There is, uh, just, if there's one voice that can carry alongside Shaq Leonard's, it's Julian Blackman. I mean, yeah. we're used to like Shaq being incredibly vocal, and Julian is right on par right. with that. So with Thomas's emergence, I think that just gives you the luxury of being able to move Blackman into a role that he's comfortable with at strong safety. He's, a, again, a nonstop communicator. He loves to play physical. He's a really good tackler. We've talked about that in the past. Underrated tackler. Yeah, yeah really comfortable point. playing in the box. You know, I think he's... I think he, this is a fish in water in terms of this uh, this switch for Blackman going from free to strong safety. And I think there's, to your point, again, Lara, piggybacking off of that, I'm rooting big time for Julian Blackman because personally he's just a great guy and he's been through a lot, right? He you, tore the ACL that, in college and then the Achilles injury a couple years ago. D- so f- Football is more fun when you have Julian Blackman on the field. Sure. Practice or anyways in your locker room, like no doubt. Like this guy is just nonstop energy, and he seems like too that like he has gelled incredibly well with 
Ron Milas yeah. and Mike Mitchell and that whole group and how he has been able to thrive and pick up and immerse himself in Gus's scheme. Well, additionally, if you want to know what Maytay's talking about with how good of a dude Julian Blackman is, go listen to the podcast Maytay you did with him. Yeah. Person behind the pads. Yes, he was fantastic. Let's plug it. It was a really good interview. So easy to talk to, too. My favorite thing in that was uh, he sings so much to his daughter that his daughter's like, Daddy, stop. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. I, I love I love having like a three-year-old and already embarrassing them. It's great. Yeah. It's great. He he hits that too. The the last training camp uh storyline outside of quarterback is just the schedule. And as we said, that's coming out later on tonight, so check that out uh later this week, Colts.com slash camp for the full dates on when the Colts are gonna be practicing and the headliner of those uh practices are gonna be we do know the Colts are gonna host the Bears for a couple of joint practices later in August. They're also going to fly to Philadelphia and have a joint practice with the Eagles. We don't know for sure on the date uh, on that uh, just yet. Maybe uh, by the end of the day we will. But those sessions are probably going to give fans more of a glimpse of, of starter-on-starter action, schemes and uh, X's and O's that are going to be used in the regular season as compared to those preseason games that are televised for the entire world to see so with that, the question is, J.J. and Lair, do you think the Colts will scale back playing time for the starters in those final two preseason games against the Bears and the Eagles because of those joint practices okay. against Chicago? Hold on, I'm hijacking really quickly. We have uh, this is I can't believe we've gone this long. We've buried the lead of this entire podcast. Oh, but we have an additional podcaster nice. here, a P A W D caster. Because Millie Stankovitz is a yep. guest star on this podcast. Well, she hadn't she's, said a word. Well, I yeah. know, but she's she's providing you know uh, emotional support <laughs> uh, and encouragement to one JJ Stankovitz. Bring, it's Bring Your Dog to Work Day, so Millie is here. Millie has made an appearance on the podcast before, by the way. Yeah. When we were doing those at home COVID sure. podcasts, she barked on one. Yeah. And we got a comment. That's right. We got a comment on Apple uh, Podcaster review, a five star review that said, <laughs> "Hoping for more Millie the dog on the podcast." Here it is. So we're here it is. It. You can't hear her because she's being quiet right now. But well, does Millie think that Anthony Richardson's going to play in those <laughs> final two preseason games? <laughs> Millie, your thoughts? She's <laughs> wagging her tail, so I think that's yes. That's an affirmative. Um, by the way, just real quick, because we have buried the lead. Not only is Millie here, but Tugboat Tucker is here. Yeah. Tugboat he is... Tucker weighs how many pounds? <laughs> about 140-ish. Yeah. yeah. So Millie weighs about 100, not 100. <laughs> oh, man. Millie weighs about 12. Yeah. 12 pounds. <laughs> Tugboat <laughs> is more than 10 times the size of Millie. And Millie Millie just looked at Tugboat and was like, I don't know what to do with you. <laughs> yeah, I know you're a dog. Epic but stare really? Down. Yeah. Are we the same yeah, species? It was pretty It was funny. great. Tugboat, it was. Tugboat walked in here. I thought he won the Kentucky Derby <laughs> about a month ago. <laughs> oh, I wish. I'd be, a, I'd be a lot wealthier had he. That'd Holy be great. Holy smokes. Uh, saddle him up. Let's go. <laughs> uh, all right. Now to the question. If Now I'm going back to just our only real, I shouldn't say our only, but thinking about the past few years and how teams have operated with joint practices and preseason games and then reflecting especially to last year, which was the first opportunity to have the modified preseason schedule of just the three games versus the four. So I'm kind of looking specifically at last year as our best frame of reference. You got so much out of those two days of joint practices where it's all ones-on-ones that you didn't have as much need to see those guys face off in the preseason game there was a bit of a gentleman's agreement among the head coaches of all right how much are your you know what are you playing any of your starters uh are you yeah how long are you gonna play the 
the twos. How much do you want to see of your threes? I think because the joint practices are so beneficial and you get so much quality work out of that that you will not see a ton of opportunity in preseason games two and three for significant time from the starters if history should be any indication. And the one thing I'll say with that, we don't know what Shane Steichen's right. philosophy is on this. We're talking about right. a brand new coaching staff. So maybe it is different, but I, I do kind of think that if you're gauging those against one another, I think the greatest benefit does come from your two joint practices against the Chicago Bears, and then you're going to get anything you need to clarify or any you know greater assessment is going to come from the game. The, yeah. de- the devil's advocate of that, though, is that last year the Colts didn't have a rookie quarterback that was coming off only 13 games. Well, the, in the question the question to me here, there are two separate questions of, you know, th- I think when we talk about the starters, yeah. you're talking about your core guys, DeForest Buckner, Quentin Nelson, Jonathan Taylor, Zaire Franklin, you know, that group of guys. Michael Pittman. Michael yeah. Pittman, yeah, you know, there's a, it's, it's a much bigger group than mm-hmm. that, but I I don't think you're going to see a lot of those guys. The question about Anthony Richardson I think is different mm-hmm. because for a quarterback, he's going to see coverages in practice from what Matt Eberflus and Alan yes. Williams are doing in Chicago with their 4-3 to then what Sean Desai is doing in Philadelphia with the 3-4 Vic Fangio scheme. You can be two different kinds of coverages he's going to see. And the the coverages that they deploy in those joint practices are not going to be what they deploy in the game because you don't you want to show anything. You are very vanilla. You show right. nothing in the game. It is the absolute most watered-down version of your playbook that you can get in those situations, yes. But the benefit for Anthony Richardson in those games will be legitimately feeling the pass rush. Yeah, and because just, just he, going out there, too, and, and having the helmet right. on. and just Operations. It, uh, you know, yes. yes, operationally logistical, relay the play to the huddle, go to the line you of scrimmage, can, like, I, I'm also, survey things. Th- th- you weigh with that, though, the risk of injury, too. I mean, you that's the other part of it, too. I mean, how much, yeah. how do you gauge that in there, too? Have, if, you've got, if you have a guy playing in the second quarter of the second preseason game, right. and he gets wrapped up, on a pass rush and twists an ankle. and th- I mean, you also have to think long-term. You have got to think long-term about Anthony Richardson and waging the you know kind of cost-benefit of it all right there. So what is this, I- econ class? Yeah, what are we doing here? You know here? what? I'm going to just drop some knowledge Diminishing on you right Diminishing returns? Now. Exactly. Is that next? Yeah. I don't know. JJ <laughs> drops DVOA on here, so I'm just coming with That's not an econ <laughs> thing. <laughs> I still haven't figured but, out what but it I do, is. But I do think it's a healthy debate, though. It I is mean, a healthy I, I don't debate, think, very I don't much think, so. I don't think anybody's wrong. I mean, we've also heard this entire time all off season that it's reps, it's reps, mm-hmm. it's reps, it's time on task, whether that's practice or joint practice or preseason. None of it is bad in the sense that Anthony Richardson is one and, of the most inexperienced college quarterbacks to go in the, in the top and five. And here's what I'm going to say. I, I don't think that there is a set plan right now, and that's right. not necessarily coming from anything that I've heard or any right. type of insider knowledge. I just think that you are going to have to go into camp with such a clean slate that you are going to be evaluating and constantly evaluating what the plan is for both Anthony Richardson and Gardner Minshew going in that situation. I mean, depending on how good he looks, where you identify his weaknesses to be, how much growth he shows from the time he left this building in middle of June to the time he shows up in Grand Park in late July. So 2022, Jalen Hurts threw six passes in the preseason. That They all came in the first preseason game of the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, in 2021, he played in the first preseason game, and we are totally doing this on the fly. So I'm just ripping through NFL GSIS, finding Eagles stats. Uh, Jalen Hurts did not play in the second preseason game 
in 2021 for the Eagles, and in the third preseason game, he also did not play. And that was Jalen Hurts in 2021 when he had started four games in the NFL and was going to be the Eagles' starting quarterback that year. Yeah. So, but that was Nick Sirianni's decision. That wasn't Shane Steichen's decision. Mm-hmm. I'm sure so, Nick, or I'm sure Shane carried a lot of weight, though. In, in right, that absolutely, decision. absolutely. I mean, it's not, you know, it's not a unilateral thing. You have those discussions, but that is just maybe a a starting point here of even Jalen Hurts, yeah, who needed experience. Mm-hmm. That, you know, it's not the same. It's definitely not apples to apples, but right. it's in the same ballpark. Yeah, that's going to be uh, all hashed out here. Does in this about a ballpark month. serve uh, dipping dip dots? dots? Yes, it does. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this ballpark serves lots of dipping dots. Is that on the concourse area up there? All right, that's Loge that's, level. Yeah, that's a. <laughs> <laughs> um, so certainly that is a huge storyline going into training camp. That with the playing time and certainly uh, what's going on with Julian Blackman and the cornerback depth. Those are some non-quarterback. Uh, well, I guess we did talk about Anthony Richardson. So we had quarterback, non-quarterback storylines going into camp. All right, let's close out the show here. Do you see it? Uh, that's the name of this segment here. As we talk about the Colts and the rest of the NFL here in the summertime, it's sort of the, the doldrums. It's the quietest part, if you will, of the NFL calendar, June into July. But we often debate if things are going to happen heading into the uh, upcoming season. So let's break out some 2023 predictions on do you see it? Lara, the first do you see it is, let's go back to Anthony Richardson. He's going to start at least 15 games next season, so start the majority of the season, mm-hmm. and he's going to throw for 3,000 yards in his rookie season. Do you see that? I don't know that I do. And that mainly comes from the fact that I think you're going to see a lot of the run game. And I don't know if you're going to see that much. The 15 games I can get on board with. I'm just curious if you're going to see a little bit more of a run-pass balance. That's just, I don't know. That's that's kind of where I'm in on that. There have only been 24 rookie quarterbacks to throw for over 3,000 yards in NFL history. Mm -hmm. But Daniel Jones was one of them who... You know, came in and it was a different kind of offense, but he kind of came in as a raw passer, you yeah. know, decent runner. Um, the list of this guy, I mean, it's a wild list. Uh, you got Brandon Whedon on here, but also. Brandon Whedon. Mm, Trey, wow. Dak Prescott. Uh, Baker May. I mean, like. I, just do you not feel like you're going to have, you're going to utilize a lot of the run game. Yeah, and then you're no, also going to have like quite a bit of like some designed runs. And then he's going to make plays with his legs too. You know, I, I think you're probably going to see more along the lines of. 2,500 yards, yeah. but I think more interestingly is how many rushing yards does he get? Does he get over 700? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's a pretty high number for a quarterback. Uh, but I absolutely think you know you can lean into that. The The question then becomes, though, if the Colts are playing catch-up in these games... You're going to be forced to you, pass. You're going to be forced to throw it. Like, Dan, like And that's kind of where Daniel Jones was in 2019, where the, the Giants were not very good. They're playing catch-up a lot. Brandon Whedon was also like, what, like a 29-year-old like, yeah, rookie? Right. Like, yeah, I mean... <laughs> And that was before yeah. the COVID that's year. Just, that's just like a, hey, remember that guy, Brandon Whedon? Um, oh, sorry, I just, I'm just yeah. stuck on that. I love that you ripped that out of there, though. That's a great frame of, that's a great frame of I, reference, though. This is, how, this is how my brain works, by the way. I have a list that has Andrew Luck, Justin Herbert, Cam Newton, Peyton Manning, Kyler Murray on it. And the first name I go to is Brandon <laughs> Whedon. That's how my brain works. Ah, remember that guy? Oklahoma State? Uh, yeah. 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 Played yep. baseball. Uh-huh. That's right. a baseball player. Yep. I do. Th- I'm. I'm more optimistic, though. I, I do. Well, I'm not pessimistic. Yeah, no, I, it's I know. Not that it, it's not that I'm saying he won't start that many games or won't have success as a quarterback. I'm just. That's my thing. Is just the, the passing yards. Sure. So I, I think if you look at the last two quarterbacks under Shane Steichen or the quarterbacks that Shane Steichen has worked with, Jalen Hurts 
and certainly Herbert. Um, I mean, in Hertz's first full year as a starter, JJ referenced that 21 season, 15 games, 61% completion percentage, over 3,100 yards. Uh, if you go back to Herbert in year number one, remember Herbert wasn't supposed to be the guy. That was Tyrod Taylor. So he that stepped up. That was a up. wild situation. Yeah, I mean, Pun- it seems like forever ago, punctured too. Lung. Yeah, punctured lung. 15 starts, 4,300 yards his first year. So I think it can be done under Shane Beautiful Steichen. Beautiful had a hair on that man, by yes, the way. Yes, he does have some so, locks. flowing locks. So the the, the question I, I think I'm I'm more interested in the rushing guards. I thought you were you were more interested in his hair. Uh, it's yeah. great hair. Uh, how many quarterbacks just off? Do you guys think have rushed for over 600 yards in their rookie seasons? How many in NFL history? Five. Yeah, was, yeah, I'll take the under. Four. Okay. Robert Griffin, 815. Cam Newton, 706. Lamar Jackson, 695. And by the way, seven starts. Also, speaking, and of, Josh Robert, Allen. speaking of Robert Griffin, the great third. Great track guy. Uh, great track guy. I, I spent some time with him in Austin, Texas. He has agreed to come on the podcast. So yes. We will have him on the nice. pod Let's go. in just a few weeks. We are going to get it scheduled, but a little teaser for you. He has a lot of thoughts on Shane Steichen and Anthony Richardson and Gardner Minshew, so he will bring it all. That is a great get. Yeah, thanks. Given given what we we I mean, great get regardless. But when we're talking to Anthony Richardson, getting it, Robert Griffin the third on here, mm-hmm. that's a great get. Yeah. Good job, Lara. Well, thank you. You know, every but, once okay, in a while but, I pull my weight but around so, here. But so four guys, only four guys have rushed for over six hundred yards. I think if Richardson starts fifteen games, he's going to be the fifth. Yeah, I, I think he 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 will get there. Maybe even if not, maybe there are special packages where you get him out there, and maybe he starts ten games, but he plays in all seventeen. And in those seven games that he doesn't start, he gets four or five carries in the game. One quick thing on Anthony Richardson as well. I there was a lot of conversation about you know nicknames and and what he likes to be called and different things. I got a clarification directly from him. Short, he likes Ant for short, uh-huh. short for Anthony, and he is good with AR. Just you know, AR stands alone, good, mm-hmm. and Ant in terms of if you're looking for little ways to uh, yeah. to nickname squeeze or squeeze it in. Uh, both of those are are signed off on by Anthony Richardson. Cool. I like it. Yeah. All right. Do you see it in 2021? Shane Steichen in Philadelphia. Dallas Goddard, the tight end, he played nearly 70% of the snaps. He did miss five games with a, sh- a shoulder injury last season, so he was not able to, to meet that uh, playing time percentage in 2022. But Jelani Woods will be the tight end version of Goddard in Indianapolis next season jj do you see it probably not that quickly um dallas goddard didn't really start to take off as one of the top tight ends in the nfl until maybe two years ago i mean he's been good uh don't get me wrong like his second year was good he had 58 catches for 607 yards five touchdowns i kind of think you know tight end development year two is still you're you're making strides but you're not making strides to be Dallas Goddard in 2021 when he was probably a top five tight end in the league. That's a high bar for a second-year tight end to clear. So I probably don't see it. I think Jelani takes a step this year, mm-hmm. but I don't think he takes – He goes uh, up to 70%. It, for, to do that in year two is really, really hard. And, that's again, that's not saying he can't do it, but it's really hard. I could see it. I, I definitely think he's going to be valuable – However, in terms of the tight end group, the guy I was most impressed with over this OTA and minicamp period was Kylan Granson. Mm -hmm. Right now, to me, he's your most valuable tight end from what we saw, just specifically from what we saw 
in that narrow, you know, that small sample size at that period of time. Jelani was battling with a, he had a pulled hamstring, so he was sidelined for a bit. You know, we obviously Mo Alley-Cox. I'm so interested in where Drew Ogletree is mm-hmm. coming back from the torn ACL. This will be significant for him. But, I, I mean, I, I just thought Kylan, regardless of which quarterback was out there, he was the most consistent weapon on the field that I saw. So going going back to our discussion about Richardson and, you know, okay, are the Colts going to run the ball a lot or are they going to be playing catch-up a lot? If you're going to run the ball a lot, you know, you could have Granson out there, but you're going to need that true in-line mm-hmm. Y tight end, which would be Jelani or Mo Alley-Cox. Right. Mm-hmm. If you're going to be playing catch-up, you're probably going to be throwing it a lot to Kylan Granson or Drew Ogletree. Um, but, you know, to be a run-heavy offense – you're probably going to need that inline tight end who can block. And again, those two guys would be Moali Cox or Jelani Woods. That's think, where I'm at. Yeah. I, I think Moali's probably ahead just because he's got oh, more experience, experience in the league. Absolutely. Um, you know, when it comes to run blocking. But if Jelani can grow as a run blocker, he could have a pretty big role in this. And you, you have to remind yourself, like three years, well, I guess more than that, but four years ago, five years ago, this guy was playing quarterback. At Oklahoma you know? State. So, yeah, he, right. so he has a huge you know, ceiling and a huge opportunity. Like He's yeah. still learning and grasping the position. And then you think about last year as a rookie, he has a change at, at his position coach, like mm-hmm. all of the different things. I mean, among all of the other, you know, um, kind of change that they endured. So I think that he has an opportunity to to prove a lot. I'm with you, JJ. I mean, if he can, he's a willing blocker. If he can really improve in the running game from his tight end position, he's the only tight end I think the Colts have that has the athleticism to really stretch the field the way that Dallas Goddard can and the way that the Colts want to be able to run their offense with their tight end. So if he can improve in the running game and have there be no excuse to take him off the field, I think he's got the ability to stay on the field and dominate matchups. How are you going to cover him? A safety, a linebacker, a nickel corner. The dude's what, six foot eight, two fifty? Thirty five inch arms. Yeah. I think he and Alec Pierce are your two biggest big play weapons going into the season. We'll see where Josh Downs is in that regard. We'll see where Isaiah McKenzie is with that. But I think as of right now, it's 14 and 81, or 80, I should say. Those two guys, I think, are, are huge inside the red zone. If you can take, if you can leave, I should say, Jelani Woods on the field in the running game. I don't know. I I think he might be able to sniff 70% of of playing time. I would love to see it. All right, speaking of playing time, the Colts are very high on Adetamawa Adabare. They drafted him in the third round at the Combine. Fourth round, yeah, at Northwestern. We do know he's over 280, ran a sub 4.5 at 4.49 in the 40-yard dash. He's even uh, heavier than some of the defensive ends the Colts have, and he ran a faster time than 16 wide receivers at Un- the combine. That's the best one. unbelievable. Every time, every time you bring him up to Bill Brooks, it just <laughs> breaks Bill Brooks' mind because Bill ran a 4-5 at the combine, which was fast in the 80s. And Adetamiwa Adabare ran a faster 40-yard dash than Bill Brooks at, like, 100 pounds heavier. It's, it's <laughs> incredible. Insanity. And Northwestern, 24 and a half tackles for loss, 12 and a half sacks. He's likely going to start the season as the backup in the defensive tackle rotation, probably starting out as the backup to DeForest Buckner. Uh, but the Colts are very high that he can add some pop in the pass rush game with his quickness off the ball. So the the question is, Adabare is going to see at least 40% of the snaps in 2023 either at nose tackle or the three-tech. Do you see that, Lara? 
I don't know, because that means you're taking DeForest or Grover off. I mean, like, you know, that's with those guys. You would kind of like to see it because you would like to have a really solid rotation in there and be able to, with all the things that DeForest has battled through injury-wise the last few seasons, you'd like to preserve him a little bit and have it to where he's not forced to do so much. So I think if you're thinking about between those two, the opportunity he has, I'd like to see it. I think you could certainly see that being um, a probability in the season. I think the guy to consider here is Taven Bryan, veteran who the Colts signed in free agency. He can be – he's that kind of veteran backup yeah. at those spots. Um, so I probably don't see it with Adebare right now, but I think if he's at 25% of the snaps mm-hmm. and those are really good, then he'll continue to earn them. Yeah. But, I mean, Larry, you're right about Buck. I, I think you might want to get his snap percentage down just yeah. a little bit. He's had to do so much the yeah. last three years. And he played. Se- he's, he hasn't played fewer than 75% of the snaps in the games he's played since he got to Indianapolis. And in his career, he's never played fewer than 75% of the defensive snaps right. in the games he's played. That is a lot for a guy who's going into his eighth season in the NFL. Mm-hmm. And Buck keeps his body in unbelievable shape. And he's still seeing high degree of, of double teams, too. He, and oh, he's yeah. getting double teamed. He's fighting through stuff. I mean, the... This dude. Like, I mean, at one point last year, he was playing with essentially one arm. He was right? playing like, with a bionic arm, yeah. and he's still at eight sacks. Yeah. Uh, there, there's no doubt that Buckner is one of the toughest guys in the NFL, one of the most in shape guys in the NFL. But it, could he potentially be a little more effective on a down to down basis if he's at 73% yeah. snap, mm-hmm. 72%? That's not that big of a drop off. He's still going to be on the field a lot. But hey, let's just kind of be intentional about keeping him as fresh as he can. He's he's 29 years old. He's played a lot of snaps in the NFL. I don't doubt that he could play, you know, 900 snaps in a season and be really good. But would he be would, would it overall be better for the Colts defensive line if he's at yeah. 700? Right. Mm-hmm. And the other 200 then get dispersed to Adebare mm-hmm. and Taven Bryant. And don't forget about Grover Stewart, too, because he played roughly about 70% of the snaps last year. Which a, for a, a nose tackle is, yeah, like, unbelievable. Very high. Yeah, I mean, that's why I mean the Colts couldn't take him off the field because he was a really good interior pass rusher on third and long and obvious uh, passing situations. So then you had I me mean, going back to last year. Eric Johnson, he didn't. He really didn't see the field a ton last year. Byron Cowart, who's no longer on the team, he played about twenty percent of the snaps as a rotational defensive lineman last year. So I do see Adabare having a specific role, maybe on third down, red zone. But yeah, forty percent is going to be a little bit generous, I think, right out of the gate, considering the All Pro caliber players in front of him that are still in their prime. I agree with you. Maybe DeForest Buckner doesn't need to play eighty percent to preserve him, keep him fresh. Maybe he's a little bit more efficient that way. But you still want Buckner, you still want Stewart on the field more often than not because of how good they are. All right, that's Do You See It? Uh, I think we got to close out here with some randomness. Uh, let's go to the random thought of the week. Random, random thought, thought of the week. And why is the carpet all wet, Todd? I don't know, Margo. You guys going out of town? Do you know if it's cold there? Do these vans get good gas mileage? Shut up! Shut up! Shut up! Shut up! Shut up! Random thought of the week. It's summertime here. We're kind of in the dog days of summer. We're creeping up on July. Uh, Simple. Simple this week. Lair and JJ, what was the best or worst summer job that you guys ever had? The only summer job I ever had was umpiring Little League. Oh, I like that. I got off so easy. (laughs) So easy. 
You can and that was some good dough doing that, can't yeah, you? Yeah, I, I earned anywhere from twenty-five to fifty bucks a game. Uh, I would do like double headers, make like a hundred bucks on a Saturday, which is a sixteen-year-old was like making a billion dollars. Hell yeah! Um, that was the best job. I I only threw out one parent. I only ever do eject oh, one parent. Oh, story, story. And let me tell you, we need the story. As a sixteen-year-old ejecting a grown man <laughs> from a park. This is incredible. So that takes some stones, man. So the, his kid, his kid ran out of the baseline to avoid a tag. The shortstop had the ball, and he ran out. He like ran onto the infield to like avoid clearly the out of the base pass. Like clearly out of the base pass. So I called him out, and the dad's just like, "What's he supposed to do?" I'm like, "Get tagged out." I mean, there's nothing you can do as a runner. Mm-hmm. You, the guy's got the ball. You're going to get tagged out. Right. So this dad's, you know, uh, grunting and moaning and whatever. So the inning goes, you know, finish up the inning. I go to get a drink of water behind the backstop, and he walks up to me, and he goes, I, I really don't think you know what you're talking about. Like, I, y- you know, you, you need to really read up on the rules, and, you know, you're, you're really not good at this. And I, <laughs> I turned around. Wait a minute. What, how, how old is the, are the kids playing in uh, the game? These are probably 13, 13-year-olds. 13 okay. All right. So, but so I I turned and I walked away and I went up to the coach of the team, and I go, I'm not restarting the game until he leaves. Wow. And I I I looked at him and I said, you got to go, like to the parent said, you got to go. And he goes, he like throws his hands and he goes, what did I do? And I was like, you got to go. You can't talk to me like that. Wow. You got to go. So I then stood there and you know I'm I'm holding the ball. And I'm standing over home plate in all my umpiring gear with my hands on my hips as I watch this guy, like, womble out of the park. And as soon as he puts two feet in the street and he's off park property, I go, play ball! <laughs> Felt that great. Awesome. One of the best Felt feelings great. of my youth was ejecting this parent from the Did game. Did you have any That's altercations fantastic. in the parking lot afterwards? No. No, he left. I mean, I'm sure he came back to pick up his kid. Right. But, no, I, I didn't see him after. Wow. Yeah. That's fantastic. I don't. I'm trying to think, and not and none were really bad. Uh, but I'll say this is kind of funny. So I was pretty young. I don't know. I was maybe like twelve or so, and I would nanny in the summer for some kids, and uh, because their mom would run, uh, she did like tennis camps, and so while her while the mom was running her tennis camps, I would watch the kids at the house. And the only reason I say it was the worst is because I, I really I could take care of the kids and all of that, but I didn't know what I was doing in terms of like feeding them and different things. And like one day the kids like I was like I don't know like there's some granola bars and whatever, and they were like they wanted a grilled cheese one day. I didn't know how to make grilled cheese. Oh no! <laughs> oh come on! So I just took out bread. She was twelve, and I put <laughs> cheese. I bought, got some like craft singles. And I was like, how do I heat this up? So yeah. I put it in the microwave. Let's go. And then just gave it to the kids. I'm sure it was awful. But they were like, what am I supposed that, to do so That cheese was probably 500 degrees. Oh, my God. So I'm sure it was the worst for them. So, yeah. Wow. Yeah, so it, was pro- it wasn't the worst for me, but like, I was just trying to like make do here. Yeah, and I, so... That's uh, that was like <laughs> that was like my first summer job. Yeah. But yeah, what about you? The worst summer job I ever had. Well, it was it was a good job, but it was just hard because of what it entailed. So uh, I, I got a job. I loved it. my first job in radio. Was actually not in radio, but it was in radio. My job was to go to Clear Channel. It was Clear Channel at the time, right? Q ninety five X one hundred three Bob and Tom show. So basically, they were running a new automated system for mm-hmm. the for the summer, and my job was to make sure that the automation system didn't catch on fire or blow up. 
They just needed a warm. Was that a common problem that they ran into? I, I don't know, but they, they were trying to test it out. So they were like, we just need somebody to come in overnights on Fridays and Saturdays from like 11 in the morning until 6 a.m. Or 11 p.m. to 6 a.m. The third shift, yeah. Yeah, so my job was basically to come in overnight and just make sure nothing caught on fire. They needed a warm body there at the facility. (laughs) I was like 17 years old, minimum wage as minimum wage can be, and I just, it was hard because I like to sleep. I'd get to be like 2.33 in the morning. I've already watched like five reruns of Cheers on Nick at Night. (laughs) And I'm like dozing off, but I can't fall asleep because if, I mean, if the building blows up or the automation system, you know, doesn't fire the way it's supposed to, it's on me. So it was, it was very, very hard. So there are a lot of, a lot of like uh, Saturday morning and Sunday mornings I'd come home and I'd get home by like 645 and I'd go to sleep until like 3 p.m. But it's, I mean, I was, I had the entire radio station, the whole complex, the entire building to myself. So, So, okay. What, what was the protocol if the thing caught on fire? (laughs) I don't. I'm sure I just had to call somebody, phone the the program director or the the GM. It's like they didn't have like a bucket of water next to it or <laughs> like, like a fire, fire extinguisher. <laughs> like it was more about the the automation system. Like if it went haywire, it was supposed to like click five buttons or something and make sure it it, it went back on track. But it, <laughs> it never happened. It, wait it literally, ten seconds. Blow on the cartridge. <laughs> yeah. Knock it back in. It never like happened. Nintendo. It never happened. So I've got paid the entire summer to just sit and watch TV. Which was great, but I was also just tired as hell uh, on the weekends. But yeah, that was my first. That's great job in radio. Was just sitting there, and you and, probably wouldn't be where you are today if you well, hadn't had that experience. Well, I, right? I don't know about that. Come on, <laughs> that was your entry. I would go to the Q ninety five studio and just uh, rip songs off the hardware and then put them on a thumb drive. Amazing, nice. Yeah, so I had like the entire Bob Seger You're catalog. Like, it's oh, fine. Yeah. It's fine. Jimmy, Jimmy made us. Hey, tell what's me we're up? All good. Yeah. <laughs> dog says we're yeah, all dog, good. Dog gave me the password so I could sneak into the hard drive for sure. All right, we are uh, we're going to be off next week, but uh, we are going to have some content. We're going to have a 4th of July podcast coming up next Tuesday, which is the 4th, but we're going to tape that ahead of time. So it's not like we're going to be live, local, and late breaking, but we will have some content for you next week as uh, the entire building, the entire office, uh, the Colts complex is going to be shut down. They're very gracious, uh, giving the entire organization a week off for the 4th of July. So what do you guys have planned? What are you doing on your uh, – JJ, I know about you. You're, you're, flying the, uh, you're flying the country here. You're going to the – the European continent. I am. I'm going to Scotland on Sunday for uh, a thrice-delayed wedding celebration Fun. where uh, one of my best friends got married to a Scottish woman. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was supposed to be in 2020. That got canceled. Long story short, it's in 2023. They have a nine-month-old daughter, and we'll be celebrating their wow. wedding. Good for them. Uh, cool. At a castle in Scotland. That's awesome. Will there be bagpipes? No. Uh, the Scottish woman who my friend married hates bagpipes. As oh. far as I understand it. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Um, maybe kilts, though. I'm not oh. wearing a kilt, oh. but there, there will probably be kilts. Fantastic. Uh, but then that's on 4th of July, and then uh, Betsy and I's anniversary is on July 7th. So we're like, we're already in Europe, so we're going to go to Bordeaux for a couple of days in oh. France. So I'm going to come back, and my body's going to be like 80% whiskey <laughs> and wine. That's, uh, that is an ideal per- My ratio. goal on this entire trip is to not drink one beer. Oh. No Ooh. beer. Ooh. Okay. Oh man. Fantastic. Just, I don't know if it's gonna work. I don't know if I could do that. I'm gonna try. I might I might Venmo you some money to <laughs> pack some wine back uh, in we that have, we have, yeah. uh, yeah. have <laughs> Lara, I'll bring you back I'll bring you back wine. We have plenty of those like wine bottle pack. I'll like, trade you some spotted cow. 
because I'm yeah, headed you to Wisconsin. Deal. Okay, you got a deal. So, yeah, I'll trade gonna, you. I'll okay. trade you a bottle of wine for we'll some spotted cow. Great. Yeah, you're, you're doing the cabin life. We are doing the cabin life. Yeah, a couple days up on the lake with uh, with some great friends of ours, and uh, it's a place my husband has been going for probably 20 That's years awesome. yeah. and uh i finally get to accompany the the crew along uh for the journey and they're bringing the kids this time we have a couple of families that we're going along with 11 people in total three cabins it's gonna be great that's great That's fantastic yeah. where, where in wisconsin not Minocqua? sure yet is that like northwoods yes yeah yeah nice awesome yeah not sure yet we're we're pretty wide open so we'll have to yeah because you just got back from your florida yeah trip, we just so got back from your florida bearings. yeah so we're, we'll see what uh what we could swing with a three-year-old and a six-year-old and not piss them off right? <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty much that's wake the up. entire goal yeah we'll see what kind of mood they're in on a daily basis <laughs> you can go meet casey valley at holiday yeah, world yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, well, yeah i don't know about that that's that's a hike uh, our person behind the pads podcast is back this week. Jonathan Taylor is going to join us. Join JJ. Uh, you had that conversation a little bit earlier in the off season uh, regarding growing up in New Jersey, being the stud that he was, how he landed in Wisconsin, and his love for the stars and astronomy. JJ, this guy is uh, supernatural. Looking up into the sky and having the the love for maybe some extra being somewhere out there. I mean, he, the way that he framed the future of space travel, I was like, I've never <laughs> thought about it like that. That's great. Yeah. Uh, also, I w- it didn't make the podcast because- <laughs> Is he the next investor in SpaceX? Like, yeah, I mean, he might he be. Is he going to go up on a shuttle? Uh, the the thing I wish that made it into the podcast, because, you know, we, we finished talking, and then afterwards, uh, you know, we were just kind of chatting, and we started talking about, like, his favorite restaurants here. And he, he has a very specific formula for uh, steakhouses. He's like, I got to go three times. If I go three times and I like it all three times, then it's on my favorites list. Yeah. I love this. It was great. And like he, he, he had like a very like, like he's thought this through. And I'm like, that's great. Yeah. Like, no shock something. that Jonathan Taylor is cerebral about everything. Yes. In yeah. His yeah. Life. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Me, I'm, me, I'm, I'm just a dope. I'm like, I really liked eating it. You know, yeah. Prime. I'm just going to keep going back there. Hell yeah. <laughs> you know. The uh, Colts reunion podcast is back again. Uh, Bill Brooks and I, We last week we had the unveiling of our conversation with Dallas Clark, the former Colts tight end. This week, Adam Vinatieri discusses his illustrious career, some big-time kicks in a Colts uniform, and what the Hall of Fame would mean to him in a couple years. You know that's coming. The question is, is whether or not that's a first ballot for Adam Vinatieri. Then the last word comes back on Friday, our weekly off-season radio show. Myself and the Goreman will preview the Colts' defensive line situation going into training camp. We'll talk more about Adabare, DeForest Buckner, Grover Stewart, so on and so forth. Guys, well done as always. As we said, we'll have a 4th July podcast next week. But uh, enjoy your vacations, and we will do it again live in person in mid-July. And then as soon as you know it, we're going to be at training camp in late July up at Grand Park in Westfield, Colts.com slash camp for the complete training camp schedule coming out later on tonight. For J.J. Lair, I'm Matt Taylor. Thanks for listening to the official Colts podcast brought to you by WinBet. As always, be sure to like and subscribe and have a great rest of your week. And we'll talk to you next week here on the Colts Audio Network.